This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello, and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. You have probably like been doing way too many things over the last few days, so I halfway know where I am, halfway don't, friend. Uh, we're going to get things together. I will get my life together um, as we roll through this podcast today. Um, I am very happy to be joined by a now friend of the pod, because you've been back twice, um, and the senior NFL reporter and managing editor for the Draft Network, Carmen Vitale. Carmen, how are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Also kind of in a bunch of different places mentally, even if I'm working from home, I'm still all over the place as well. So, Yeah, you know, it's interesting that, you know, once you like, and I've like, worked, for, worked from home for years now, uh, we have had an office for like a very little bit of time before, and then like it went away during COVID. So I've mostly worked from home. Um, that does not stop you from having to run around all over the place um, and then not know where you are after overbooking yourself. Pretty much. And then there's been a lot of things that have happened uh, with my former employer and then also just getting used to my new role with uh, TDN has been awesome. But it's definitely been like almost like drinking from a fire hose in a lot of ways. (laughs) So uh, I've been I've been scrambling these last couple of weeks to try and get up to speed, especially during such a very busy time uh, for something called the Draft Network. (laughs) <laughs> right, which is which is interesting because that's uh, in a lot of ways why I wanted to have you on. Like the the craziness that is happening both for you, like personally, professionally, also with the league that you cover, the NFL, um, is exactly what we kind of wanted to go into. But uh, like, what's even more interesting that we could not have planned for um, is that you had big news with your former employer, like you alluded to. Um, and every week we have um, our first benchmark segment of the show, and that's called Coach Speak where we give you something that a coach, player, or talking head said, and then we give you the straight-up breakdown of what they meant. Coach, speak to real talk. Um, And this week comes from Bruce Arians when we had big news of him deciding to step away uh, from the Bucs head coaching spot where he said, quote, I have spent most of the last 50 years of my life on the sidelines as a football coach in one form or another. Today, I have made the decision to move from the sidelines into another role with the Buccaneers front office, assisting general manager Jason Licht and his staff. Um, I love football. I love the relationships, the strategy, the competition, everything. It has been one hell of a ride, but I know that it's the right time for me to make the transition. Let's break that down. Carmen, what did he really mean by that? (laughs) Well, uh, BA has always been a guy that you can actually kind of take at his word. He's probably one of the least big or the, the smallest offenders of the coach speak. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it trend epidemic, whatever it is. Uh, right. you can pretty much take him at his word, but I do think that, I mean, this was kind of his plan all along in a lot of ways. He talks a lot about succession and how he wants to set up his guys. He's done that from the very beginning, talking about the staff that he was bringing on bringing on Todd Bowles, who was a former head coach, and just he wants to lift his staff up and set them up and help advance them in any way that he can. 
And this was his way of doing it. And it's very, it's funny to me just because he's always been a guy also that kind of takes things into his own hands. And he knew that stepping away this time, I mean, it kind of, it made it so he could guarantee that Todd Bowles would be the one mm-hmm. to take over. Um, you know, you're past the major coaching cycle or coaching hiring cycle, rather. You're past the March 1st uh, deadline to have to even abide by things like the Rooney Rule. Now the Bucks did hire a minority candidate as their head coach, but the Rooney Rule states that you need to interview at least two minority candidates for each head coaching vacancy. Um, and they were able to kind of just circumvent that whole process and get the guy that they wanted who, hey, also happens to be a minority. And right. that's not something that Bruce obviously really he's, – he's been an advocate for minority advancement in the coaching ranks. He was the – the Bucks were the only team with all four coordinators – well, four coordinators, including the run game coordinator, but all coordinators being, uh, being men of color. Um, that's the first time that's ever happened in NFL history, and it was something that Bruce took a lot of pride in. So setting Todd up at this point, knowing Tom was coming back, knowing he was going to have a loaded roster and a much better situation than he had previously when he was in New York. Um, you can pretty much take Todd, take Bruce at his word. You can take Todd at his word too, for that matter. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and he had some interesting things to say kind of in that, the opening press conference today, uh, both of them did. Um, and it's funny because, you know, I, I, we use him for the coach speak, but you are correct in saying that. First of all, I don't think he's ever been used in coach speak because, and we've had repeat offenders um, <laughs> in that segment uh, because you can really take him at his word. What I really found, like, I guess most I don't know, like what made me happy about the situation, I guess, is that Todd Bowles got to be in a good situation. Right. I think that one of the things that kind of pops up a lot with minority candidates um, is that like we kind of get those teams that you're like, man, is it even possible to succeed in that right. situation? Like give us the Texans. Um, but instead, like <laughs> you get the Bucks and yeah. you're like, hey, this is this is a situation where we know at the very least they're gonna be competitive. Like they'll be better than that, but like at the le- at the very least, they're going to be a competitive football team. Um, and to me, that just really made me happy um, to see that be the case same I mean that was the biggest thing where you know I am a big fan of Todd Bowles I have been since I met the man three years ago uh working for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and uh he deserved it he deserved this shot he deserved the shot in an environment that was going to allow him to succeed because I think that there was a lot of stuff stacked against him in New York when he took over the, the Jets head coaching job and I think that that's very evident now in hindsight when you know he leaves doesn't have you know the he doesn't go out on a great note by any stretch of the imagination but then you see what's happened you know in the ensuing years the gay years I mean Robert Sala seems to have gotten kind of a little bit more of a handle on the Jet situation they're doing some good things this offseason uh with the new GM but you saw that it's like there was just not an opportunity for Todd to succeed there and he did a lot honestly like for what he was given Um, And I think that that's become very readily apparent these last couple of years now that we can look back on that time and see what's happened since. So I couldn't be more excited. I know that like, I mean, every player that's gotten to know Todd, every coach that's gotten to know Todd just believes in him a hundred percent. And he has a very unique and signature way of going about building these relationships. And I just think it's so well suited in the head coaching position. And I cannot wait to see what he is able to do with this roster. Yeah, definitely. It'll definitely be a situation for, for a number of reasons that people um, are going to be paying attention to. But I guess one of the things, too, that I wanted to make sure I asked you about, was it a, 
because to me it was like, and I'm way more on the outside looking in. So I know the answer is yes for me. Was it a surprise at all that Arians decided to walk away right now? I don't think so, because I think that there was a sentiment that when Arians was done, that Todd was going to take over. That was the hope, at least, that they were going to be in a position for this to come to fruition. And I don't, you know, it might have been kind of sped up by just the circumstances in which the Bucks roster was built. They're built to win now. And again, Arians didn't want to leave Todd with a rebuild. He didn't want to leave him with something that, you know, was not a good product or was not a promising product, at least. So I think, you know, it was one of those things where this was kind of planned all along. Maybe the timing wasn't exactly what they had been initially in mind, but I don't know that anybody is really surprised. You know, maybe they're surprised, like I said, when Coach Arians decided actually, you know, with the timing of it all, take the step back. Um, But no one is surprised that Todd is the one that's taking over and Todd is the one that has been thrust kind of into this role. And I think everyone is really happy for him. Yeah, absolutely. Now you you just can't get away from the Bucks. Um, I know you you into a new role at this point. But it's funny. I mean, listen, we all got to have our our um, areas of expertise, right? Like you can still like be well. I was around the Bucks. I was you know when Bruce announced it last night, I put out a picture of the very first time I sat down with Bruce and had a one-on-one interview with him and I built such a good relationship with him and he allowed me to be around these guys for the entirety of his tenure and I got to know Todd really well and I got to know a lot of the other guys on that staff so it is it's I mean, yes I'm, I'm out of the building but those relationships <laughs> remain so it's right. like it's just kind of now it's more like seeing your friends win and yeah. that's really, really satisfying. So even if I'm not with the Bucks, I will always be rooting for these guys. And I just can't tell you how grateful I am to Bruce Arians for letting me just hang around and not telling me to F off. And like, <laughs> right. That's know, always a positive area. Yeah. Just getting to hang around <laughs> and learn from these guys. And um, my career wouldn't be where it is if it wasn't for that. So. Absolutely, which is a, a perfect segue because I, w- I want to continue talking about you. Um, so yeah. you, you in, in this new role that you have, I want you to explain what it is right now that you're doing with the Draft Network before we get into kind of <laughs> so many things that are happening around the league right now. Yeah, everything happened really quickly. So I took over right before the NFL Combine and I went down to the Combine with the Draft Network. And so I was producing content for them, which I will continue to do. I've taken a step back from content right now because I've started as their managing editor. So I'm in charge of the content arm. Thank you. I'm in charge of the content arm right now. I'm working with some awesome guys and girls um, that, you know, just have some tremendous content, some tremendous ideas, tremendous perspectives. Um, And I get to kind of make it all look pretty and put it on the website right now. But I have, uh, and I also have, you know, podcasts in the works, a lot of content coming once I kind of get my feet under me as far as right. being in charge of people for the first time in my career. It's been an interesting transition, but there's so many cool things happening at TDN. Um, and I was so excited to help grow this company because I just believe in it wholeheartedly and believe in like the uniqueness um, and something, you know, they were, they're filling a, a hole, which is hard to do in this industry because it's so right. saturated. But I think that the transparency in which they have, they take, you know, former NFL scouts, and show you the entire evaluation process. That's what we do. Um, these guys are evaluators. They're evaluating talent, but then we're opening up the curtain and showing you, all right, yeah, this is how it works. These, these are the kind of discussions these guys have. We obviously don't have an allegiance to a team, so it makes it a lot easier, and we don't have any secrets. Yeah. Um, so it's, re- it's, just, it's such a cool concept, and I'm really excited to be a part of it and to help grow it. 
Yeah, that's that's awesome, and I think that it's funny because I've I've followed um, the Draft Network for a while. It's kind of on social and just seeing everything, and it always just looks so cool. Like I think that that I'm I'm certain that that's on purpose. Um, that is, that is a strategy, um, yeah. but I think that that's something that catches people's eye, right? Um, but right. also with that, and you mentioned kind of getting to go down to. Um, to the combine, right? Was was the first yes. thing that, that you kind of went through. So what was yeah, kind of, what was that experience right like of going to the combine? Because I've talked to players about it and they say mm-hmm. um because Nebraska just had their pro day and we talked to mm-hmm. a couple of guys from Nebraska that were there and they were like, this is totally different than what we think of when we see on TV um mm-hmm. as people participating in it. So as someone covering it, what was it like to be there um in it covering it versus what you thought it was going to be like? Yeah, I was lucky enough to go with the Bucks as well. Um, so this was, at least I kind of knew what, what to expect. What I didn't, what was new to me was the fact that I wasn't focused on one team. And so it was almost like there were so many possibilities. There were so many storylines. It was almost paralyzing, to be completely honest. But it was really cool to then be, this. that's kind of like your introduction for a lot of people to these prospects. And it is, it's very long days for these guys. I mean, they have media in the morning. Most of our media sessions started at 8 a.m. and there were podiums set up there were multiple guys going simultaneously which is where it comes in handy having you know multiple writers and stuff for tdn that were able to kind of gather all of the content but then these guys go straight into meetings with all the different teams and you know they're being asked all these questions that get very it's a very extensive interview no matter what team you're going into and you're going to get asked just random stuff you're going to get asked you know the same things over and over again but there's going to be curveballs too uh, and they, you know, but, and then the testing starts later in the week. So this is all in the beginning of the week and you're going through these, you know, 14, 16 hour days back to back to back. And then you're expected to have like the best workout of your life, uh, <laughs> right. you know, at the end of the, at the end of the week, I've never gotten a good answer as to why they do the testing at the end of the week versus the beginning, because I feel like that I would make like more just, sense. They should flip that. Yeah. 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 Like in my brain, but then I guess, you know, it's also kind of one of those gauntlet things where you're putting these guys through a lot to, to test, you know, their mental capacity and tent and test, you know, kind of their fortitude, mental fortitude is probably a better way to put that. But yeah. um, it's a very, it's from covering the, the perspective of covering it. Um, it's also just kind of like, you know, there's so much to cover. There's so many guys to get to know but you do get a chance to ask these guys a lot of questions one-on-one, a lot of teams, every team is there. Uh, most yeah. coaching staffs are all there. So then, you know, there's also like the unofficial part of it where it, mm-hmm. Indianapolis is a small town. And I think everyone is in agreement that they wanted to stay there, but you run into these guys then after hours, like when they get off to have a drink or they're out to dinner or whatever it is, there's only so many places you go in Indianapolis. Right. So that's where a lot of, you know, just some of these backdoor deals get done, some of the stuff that happens. And, and it's, it's a very valuable time um, from someone that covers the league uh, to get a lot of, you know, the stuff out of your sources and, and all that kind of stuff. So I love the combine every year. I look forward to it. <laughs> I, I can tell, like, you're very excited about it, like, which is yes, great. Um, and, but the thing is, is what it, what it kind of reminds me of, and I don't know if you've ever had to do this, like, it's, it sounds like Big Ten Media Days on steroids. 
um, mm -hmm. because that's yeah. a lot of what that is like, except for instead of, you know, the amount of teams in the NFL, um, there's 14 um, teams in the Big Ten, and there's only a handful of guys from each team versus the Like, and so it's just like everything is bigger. It is the NFL, so that makes sense. Um, but on the combine note, the one thing um, that comes up all the time, and maybe this is a, a more of a media thing, but I feel like regular, like people go this to this place. Did you get the cocktail sauce at St. Elmo's Steakhouse? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I got hazed with that actually, but it wasn't at the combine. It was okay. when the Bucks, the Bucks played Indianapolis, um, in, or played the Colts in Indianapolis uh, this past season, and I traveled with the team, so I was there, and I was lucky enough to uh, join. It was actually Jake Arians, Bruce's son, and his wife Shelby. They brought me along to dinner at St. Elmo's. And I had never had, like, the, the first time I'd been to the Combine, I just kind of avoided it. I'm not a cocktail sauce person as it is, but I was like, I don't need okay. that, whatever. So I didn't have a chance to try it. Um, this time I did, and I was sitting at a table of, like, 14 people, and they were all, like, you know, banging on the table, like, try it, try it. And I was <laughs> just like, all right, I guess. Like, And then, sure enough, I took one bite, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> Um, and I don't want to ruin it necessarily for anybody else is going to get hazed, but I do feel like it's almost a, a, a indie hazing, a combine hazing. Uh, but some people genuinely enjoy it, and I really don't understand those people, quite frankly. Like, to be honest, and I have had it as well, I thought it was fine. I don't want to hate on it. Um, I, but it's one of the, but it's also a thing too, where like, and this is how this happens with, with all sorts of things, right? Where when you hear so much about something and how cool it is and how great it is, and then you yeah. have had it like maybe like much later, um, you end up in a situation where like, okay, did it really live up to the hype? It didn't like, live I mean, up to the hype, right? that. Yeah, we all have those things, right? Um, I will say that St. Elmo's as a whole, though, did and has since. I've been a few times since. But that time that I tried the, the shrimp cocktail, I was actually in the basement wine cellar, which which they call Peyton's cellar. Because whenever Peyton Manning comes to dine there, that is where he eats. Like, at that specific table in the wine cellar. So that was nice. that was really cool. That was the cool. That, that lived up to the hype. I, I didn't even know that existed until we got to sit there. So that was really, really cool. Yeah, I had no, I've been there and had no idea that that existed. No so one that, knows that it's so down there. So what you're telling me is that whenever I find myself in Indianapolis, the person to go with is you. I need to go with you um, so that you can get me into Peyton Cellar. <laughs> I, I don't, I had nothing to do with getting into Peyton, Peyton Cellar. I think that that had much more to do uh, with the Arians family. <laughs> I mean, fair, fair, right? Um, and so, and another thing that, like, kind of, <laughs> the other reason I wanted to talk to you, too, is that, man, what a wild NFL offseason. And I feel like just saying that is the understatement of the century. Um, yeah. And that this feels like, and I'm not the only person to say this. It feels like the off season for like the NBA or what Major League Baseball kind of used to be with their off season, where the NFL for years and years is known for not having many trades. You kind of had some. You had free agency and people moved, um, but it was not to the magnitude of what we've seen this particular off season. So I kind of want to start here. Of all of the things, and this is tough to nail yeah. down, but of all of the things that have happened this off season. For you, what was the one that kind of made you sit up the most and go, oh, okay. Yeah, gosh, that's really hard. Um, it had to, it probably had to be Devontae Adams, just because, I mean, there were rumors of the, fric of the friction, whatever, but it's like, you figure that Aaron Rodgers comes back, like, mm -hmm. why isn't Devontae going to stick around, right? And not to mention, like, 
I don't know. The Packers don't know how to draft receivers, so they have to get them in free agency. So I would think that they would want to hold on to their stars. I mean, as a Chicago Bears fan, um, which I get to say now, I've I've been in hibernation while I was working. (laughs) Right, right. right. You're back. You're back. I'm so. I'm back. I'm. I don't know that it was a good time to come out of hibernation, but I'm back. Nonetheless, that's a different discussion. But like, I was not sad to see that breakup happen. But I think that that is a testament to kind of what was even happening, Um, and the fact that Aaron knew that they weren't going to re-sign Devontae or that they were going to trade Devontae. So um, it was just. I was the whole dynamics surrounding it were very interesting. I think just this is like every off season, I feel like we're saying it's the wildest off season. Right. Yeah, and I think it, but true. I think it's true every time I think yeah. it levels up every year. And I think that that's so interesting because you likened it to the NBA and the and major league baseball to what it used to be. Well, the NBA and major league baseball have soft caps. So it's very mm-hmm. interesting to now see this in the NFL where you have a hard cap and you have to fit guys under it and you have to get super creative. And I think that like, it has to be maybe a domino effect of these front offices really getting creative with how they're structuring contracts and they're giving guys more guaranteed money. They're giving them, you know, signing bonuses bigger than ever before. Um, but you kind of have to, to stay competitive. Right. Right. And it's just a very interesting domino effect that has led to, yeah, these just wild off seasons and the keeping up with the Joneses among all these different positions. First it was, you know, just quarterback. And now you see the receiver market blow up and you're wondering what, what the next, you know, kind of main position group is going to be. Offensive line is kind of teetering there too. Right. Um, but I, I I would I would love to see the defensive guys get in the mix here too. Um, <laughs> right, let them let them get their like, like let's right? let's get them the bag, please. Like right, they're very please. important. <laughs> <laughs> they win championships. I've heard that's, that's they what do. Doing. I am mm-hmm. a very very big proponent of that, having been a firsthand witness to that right. being the case at one point. Right. Um, the one it's so funny that you, that you use the phrase level up uh, with the offseason. And the one that sticks out to me um, is married to someone that her song was called Level Up. Oh, right? so level, level Up. Yeah, look at me. Um, I had that song stuck in my head all week, like random. Well, songs. that was going to be stuck um, in my head. <laughs> good, good. I, it just won't be me um, <laughs> suffering through that. It's not really suffering. It's a great song. Um, Sierra, if you don't know who I'm talking about, married to Russell Wilson, who was traded uh, from Seattle to Denver. That one in wild we had heard about the friction um, between and has friction um, kind of hurt feelings like the potential of him being traded like maybe he wants out maybe he doesn't but there wasn't ever really like this huge like public declaration that I want out um, and so there was, it was always kind of looming out there plus we knew that the Broncos wanted to do something right <laughs> and that they really needed to do something yeah they definitely <laughs> needed to do something when it came to the quarterback situation um, and to see them pull that off after like missing out on the whole Aaron Rodgers situation because they wanted in on that, uh, which is a whole different discussion as well, that uh, to see that happen and for them to get a franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson um, was a really big one for me. Like I was like, okay, like they're kind of doing something here. Um, And I I thought that that was, it's going to be very weird. Like even seeing the photoshops of him in a Broncos Jersey, is just kind of jarring, but I think that's going to be, it's going to be cool to see it all kind of work out. And I mean, I think they put some good pieces around him too. And there's they've they've very quietly built um, a very a, a capable roster, you know, capable mm-hmm. of contention. Um, and it, like like you said before, they needed to do this to keep up with that arms race that is the AFC West. 
Um, yes. It's insane. And I think that that was really funny about the whole Tyreek Hill thing where like people, I think, jumped to the extreme of like, oh, this means the Chiefs or whatever. I'm like, the Chiefs aren't falling off. Like you've no. got you've got plenty of weapons still. You've got the ultimate X factor in Patrick Mahomes, and then you've got a really creative play caller and offensive mind in Andy Reid that did well before Tyreek Hill, and he can do well after, and he's right. still better off than he's been um, in, in a lot of points in his career with the supporting cast that he has. So um, it's very interesting that I, I, I weirdly though, like I don't know, I kind of thought that Russell Wilson just kind of fit, like. I was seeing the jersey swabs, like you. I mean, I guess it was kind of jarring, but I looked at it and I was like, I don't know. I, this kind of works okay. for me. I don't know. So we'll see. I it, I think it's just interesting though that the Seahawks have just kind of embraced this sense of rebuild now. Like that's it. They're out. Like I mean, the defense had started to crumble, right? And right. like you know, the offense. Then so it was just like it was time, I guess. And every franchise needs to go through it, but it was, it was zero to a hundred or maybe a hundred to zero for the Seahawks. Right. <laughs> Which is weird. Like it's so like when you decide to, and this is just across sports, it is always fascinating to me on when you decide to actually pull the plug and say, we're going to go into full revo mode. No one really wants to do it. Right. But it is. And no one outwardly says that they're doing it either. Yeah. No one's outwardly. Yeah. No one's Yeah. Yeah. Well, we just need to stop for a couple of years and then we'll be back. Yeah. No one really says it that way, but that's essentially what you're doing when you try to go like the opposite of less need and really go ahead and accumulate picks. Right. Like that's basically what they're trying to do um but you but you also still have like Pete Carroll like you've got to figure out like okay is I assume like he was consulted on this and and knew um that they're gonna go ahead and go this way but it's always just fascinating to me when franchises decide like hey we're gonna go ahead and go a full rebuild mode and kind of see because it's also tough it's tough on fans like it's just tough all around um and on the, the one thing that I think that never gets talked about about those rebuild situations is the guys that are still good and are left over on that team oh yeah (laughs) sure just like we don't want to be out here losing all the time either like it's just rough I mean even my first couple years in Tampa where it wasn't necessarily a rebuild mode but they weren't very competitive or successful and like it's not to say that there weren't good players on that team those Mm -hmm. teams there were good players on those teams and I think that Jason Light and his staff do a really good job in developing players especially later round draft picks and they turn them into these really well like these starters essentially and Mm -hmm. guys that have commanded a lot of money elsewhere for their second contracts um, if the Bucs even let them get away. But like, because of that, they have an influx of talent that's come out of the draft. A lot of these years that they weren't very good or very competitive right. for one reason or the other. And you feel for those guys so badly. I mean, like I, Gerald McCoy is one of those guys too, that guy comes to mind where he yeah. was, you know, kind of he ex- his exit was a little questionable or whatever it was, but he exited right as Bruce Arians came and, he didn't get to enjoy the fruits of any of his labor. And he was dominant a couple of those years He really was um, yeah. for the Bucks, and, uh, you know, on that defensive front. So uh, the, the front of defenses too, that weren't, I mean, after seeing a Todd Bowles defense, I was like, Oh my God, everything was so vanilla before. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, it's like, I can't, like I shudder to think what someone like Gerald McCoy would have been able to do um, in a defense like this. So or like that, like that one. I keep saying this, and I keep saying we, because it's still a hard habit. To break. Right, it, it is a hard thing to break. Like I'm sure you'll be like too much for now. You're, it's gonna slip, and you're like, oh man, damn, I did it again. 
Like, uh, no. it, it it's crazy too because it, like the the wild AFC West, and I tweeted out like a couple of weeks ago. I forget after which crazy move that we just need a hard knocks, like where we just covered just the AFC West. Um, and we just let them go, or we yeah. just like the Monday night games can be reserved, like just for the AFC West to just, Yeah, like every um, AFC West game should just be prime time in some capacity. <laughs> Yes, we like, all want to watch it. it. The entire country wants to watch this. There's enough. There's enough of those games, right? Like, if you really want me, and I, I'm an anti Thursday night football person, so like, if you really want me to watch those Thursday night games, um, stick one of those AFC West games on there, and I'll start watching. Yeah, exactly. I know. And yeah. the only thing that they're going to be limited by is the five prime time limit. Each each team can only be on prime time <laughs> five times. But I'm like, no. I think we all want the looking glass into the AFC West, yes. and we like none of us can get enough AFC West content for good reason too i mean it's just yes. it's so it's insane and all of the guys that like i mean these major moves that happened this free agency it was all guys going from the nfc to the afc yeah so my only deduction strange, yeah. to my only deduction which is again going to bring it back to my former team but um i just think everybody's scared of tom brady so tom brady is comes back out of retirement <laughs> tom brady comes back out of retirement everyone's like see ya nfc like just let this man have it we're gonna go to the afc and hang out and see fight to the death like <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let you have that one like it's, it's, maybe that that's how that went um i don't know is it but it is strange on how like it, there was just so much movement to the afc um right. and there's all of these like seismic moves within that conference and we talked about the west but i, got, I gotta go there again because the tyreek hill thing and you said something interesting i thought about like how i think that they do believe the, the chiefs do that they'll be able to kind of make that work because you have a like legitimate generational quarterback and then you have a one of the best offensive minds ever in andy reed if eric the enemy as well and so but i think one thing that nfl teams also really believe is that hey we drafted that guy and in, in, in a lower and not a first round pick and we got him to be where he was like yes he was very talented but we helped him along and our system helped make that situation right so we can find another guy like i yeah. feel confident saying that nfl teams really feel that so it'll be interesting to see kind of how they continue to shape that roster I mean, yeah, and I think that you have to think that way, um, yeah. especially, and I think that the fact that they made the trade, they got all this draft capital back, um, is a testament to the fact that they have so much faith in Brett Beach and what he can do in the draft and who, who he can bring in and who they can, de- like, who the next guy is that they can develop. I'm not saying that, you know, it's, it's a deep receiver class, but I don't know that the next Tyreek Hill is necessarily in there. Right. But at the same time, you don't necessarily need a Tyreek Hill to make that offense hum you need it yes you need a vertical threat you need a guy that can stretch the field but Tyreek Hill was by no means the only guy that needed to that that was able to do that or that is able to do that and you've got all these those short to intermediate routes locked up you've got the reliable guy Travis Kelsey who Mm -hmm. maybe has lost a step but not really and him and Patrick Mahomes just have an incredible chemistry you got Miko Harbin you got Juju Smith-Schuster now it's like you got all these guys that I think you're gonna be fine I, I don't no one's like pouring one out for for the Chiefs. Right, right? exactly. We're not like right. no one's like really like upset for them. Um no. and, and so that so it's fine. You know who you should pour some out for? The Bears and Bears fans. No. Like and, and so I'm definitely not letting you out of here without like talking about them. Like, it's okay, coming. I, it's like, coming. Why, why are they not like trying to help Justin Fields out? It's, well, because I think that they're also embracing this whole rebuild mode and you just kind of want to taper the expectations on Justin Fields, I suppose. But it t- Chicago is such a tough market, man, and they don't have a lot of patience. And the thing no. is, like, they understand the game enough 
to kind of criticize it with some merit. Um, I think Chicago's like that. I think Philly's like that. Yeah. Um, as, as rabid as those fans are, um, but it's it's so it's this balance that I don't know. I mean, I think that Poles is being smart. He's not making moves just to make them to make his mark as the GM. You know, he's really trying to think this through and and make sure that they're set up not just for this next year, but you know, in years to come. Clearly, I think the Bears are legitimately at least two years out. Um, from having from being in contention and that sucks with Justin Fields because you're developing him as a quarterback but then again he's not going to be under a lot of pressure this year I mean he might be under a lot of pressure this year because that offensive line is not squared away but <laughs> right. like he's not under a lot of pressure to perform this year because no one has any expectations of the Bears at this point so you can kind of make sure that he's got the mechanics down he's really understanding these systems and you can take your time with him and and, and Matt Everflus's new system um, and, and kind of get everybody up to speed without there being a ton of pressure or expectations around it. Um, so I think it's not the sexy, you know, off season that you want to have. It's not splashy. It's not, it's not particularly fun. Um, <laughs> no. It's, you know, like it's coming from a content perspective too. It's like, what the hell do you write about uh, when it comes to this team that right. you, you got a quarterback. So you can't like, I growing up, I was just used to like, Oh, let's go and see what, who the bears quarterback could be because they don't have an answer. <laughs> right. there. Well, they have an answer there now, <laughs> right. which is a good problem to have. But then you also, you know, you didn't do anything in free agency in the first couple of waves. You don't have a first round pick. Um, so it's like, there's just, there's not a lot. And it's like I said, it's not sexy, but it might work. It, it really might work. And I, I think that we need to have a you little tried to, more You tried to pitch me. I'm like, yeah, I didn't listen to Paige. We'll, we'll see. I'm pitching myself I don't at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, like, I'm not just pitching you. It's I'm pitching me, too. Like, it's, 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 but it's, it is frustrating. And I'm with you. It is Frustrating is a really good word for this. Because when they got Justin Fields, it, like, we were so excited. Like, so many people were excited about that. Yeah, like, and you okay, want, the, you want to play with the shiny new toy right away. <laughs> Right, like right away. And you want to see them then like put him what like everyone would feel like be is in a position to succeed, right? And how do you do that for a quarterback? You get some some big time offensive linemen, like you know, they just like Cincinnati just did for Joe Burrow, right? They signed him a big time offensive lineman. He said, I'm gonna protect you from day one, right? Or you go and you get um some big receivers, you don't let your receiver go, um, to then be able to catch passes from said quarterback. Like it just it's just frustrating. Like it's just really tough. I know so it is. Patience, I guess, is a virtue, um, and we'll see how it goes. It just. But let me all... let me ask you this. Let me ask you okay. this. Would you rather them have done that, but then had to, as a result, neglect the defensive side of the ball, and then have this amazing offense with absolutely no defense, and then you're still not competitive, and so now you're wasting the offensive side of the ball? I, or or are you? I guess that that's my question. Is like, would you rather have like have built up that side of the ball and then not have a defense. So you're not competitive anyway, or just kind of bring it all along at the same time. <sighs> I guess I would rather, I guess if I'm picking for the bears, I would rather have them try and build a defense as well. Just, like, or do that first and then see, okay, we're going to come along on offense. So I guess the way that they're doing it is the right way that I would have gone in part, because I think that the bears are one of those places, and you know, this obviously that you need to have a defense um, in yes. Chicago because of the way yes. that people are um, and the, how the fan base is like, you just like, I just don't know how well, even if they, and they would have still been losing anyway, but if you're losing and it's, I don't know, 42 to 40, but you look pretty on offense, but the defense really stinks. I actually think that that would have ramped up the pressure on the coach in the front office even more. So, and yeah, Justin Fields, for that matter. I think that can mess yeah. the quarterback up. 
So mm-hmm. I, like I said, it's not sexy, but I think they're doing it right. Or I'm trying to convince myself of that. Yeah, we'll see. Well, yeah, one of the two. We'll, we'll see. I don't know. We yeah, might be in two. agreement. We might be right. in agreement on that, though. Uh, but uh, every week we end the show with, with my favorite segment, uh, Put Them on Blast, where we put someone on blast or something that they did or said. I have been anxiously awaiting uh, <laughs> to see who Carmen is going to put on blast this week. So you're going to go first. Um, who are you putting on blast, Carmen? Put them on blast. I am putting on blast multiple major news outlets or supposed to be news outlets that cannot get the right picture on their photos that are supposed to be Todd Bowles. I have seen Keith Armstrong, who is the Bucks special teams coordinator. I have seen Casey Rogers, who is in fact the defensive line coach who will be sharing defensive coordinator duties. I have, and this was on the LA times first, it was on pro football talk, Mm -hmm. which pro football talk is affiliated with Peter King who broke the story in the beginning. So, and then I just saw sports illustrated did the same thing. And Albert Breer with Monday morning quarterback was, it was a picture of Casey Rogers. And I'm like, guys, come on. You gotta be better than that. There's no excuse for it. You search a photo. I don't care if it's mislabeled. It pops up with 20 other photos. Does that photo match the guy that's in all 20 other photos? I don't know if it doesn't, maybe that's not the right photo or maybe that's not the right guy. Or maybe you just need to double check and do a Google search. It's not really that hard. And I was so heated last night because, listen, also, Todd Bowles is a head coach in this league. He has been a head coach in this league before. He was a defensive coordinator on a Super Bowl winning team in the last two years. He is not a nobody. You should know who this man is if you are covering this league. Show that man the respect he deserves. Put the right photo up. <laughs> so also because this is my show, I can say this that it also had some they all look alike vibes to it. Um and so we also, I mean I'm not the one that's gonna say that. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'm not I, be the I one to say that for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but it, it does it have got a that. little bit of a yeah, uh-huh. yeah a little bit of that. Uh-huh. Also, as you were saying that. that, it also made me think of this. Uh they could just look at the team website. Team website, ha- Google. There has to like be I said, a photo on the team website. When, like, Florio responded to me when I, like, I tagged him in this. I, like, I tagged all of them in my little posts that were like, guys, get it together because I'm not shying away from this. There's no excuse for it. He was like, oh, we use two different photo services and sometimes they mislabel them and yada, yada, yada. I'm like, I, I don't care. We all use the same photo services. I use the USA Today right. photo service. Again, that photo is not the only photo that's popping up. It's popping up with 15, 20 other photos on a single page that you can easily cross-reference. And then again, like I said, if you are covering this league, you should know what Todd Bowles looks like. That's all I got to say. I, it's solid. I mean, I, I, there's really I'm, nothing. I'm like, I'm ready to throw hands, Greg. I, I see oh. that. Like, you've got, now we've gotten you fired up all over again. Um, and it's okay. So I, we're, we're just going to end with you on talking, like making you get fired up about the bears and the top of situation. I know um, my blood pressure is through the roof. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um, now, who I'm going to put on blast is actually uh, Brian Cashman, uh, the general manager of the New York Yankees, um, who, listen, uh, we talk about teams that no one's going to feel sorry for. Like, it doesn't really matter what's going on. Like, you're just not going to feel sorry for the Yankees. Uh, but he had this to say today about, uh, or recently, about um, the Houston Astros and kind of the their situation with how they got caught cheating. He had this to say. Quote, the only thing that stopped us was something that was so illegal and horrific. Cashman said this um, in in comments to The Athletic. So I get offended when I start hearing that we haven't been to the World Series since 09 because I'm like, well, I think we actually did it the right way. We pulled it down. We brought it back up, drafted well, traded well, developed well, signed well. The only thing that derailed us was a cheating circumstance that threw us off. 
hey man, like you can't be the person. Yeah, the tiny violin. I'm playing uh, the world's smallest it, violin, yeah. bro. Brian, like you can't be the GM of the Yankees complaining like this. Like you can't, no. it can't be like we literally like the evil empire. That whole yeah. phrase and how it's now morphed into other teams get called that. The Red Sox got called that a little bit um, after like kind of they started like basically buying everybody up on those free agents. Like you can't, you can't be the one to complain about this. Let other teams do it. Like I'm not even like sitting here defending the Astros. Like I don't particularly care for them. No, either. but but, like, but, it's, but you just can't be the one doing it, Brian Cashman. Uh, for all you, you have to go on blast for that. especially when you're a team that like doesn't pay attention to the cap like at all like you have no problem spending over the cap and spending and getting these guys and building up a talented roster that you should easily be able to win with especially in the biggest market in the country by arguably the most high profile franchise in the league so yeah Yeah, we probably shouldn't be calling attention to the fact that they have not i don't think they haven't won a world series since like the ipad was invented like we (laughs) probably shouldn't be like calling attention to that right like I just given all I the advantages that they have. What like, do they have? They have all the resources. They have everything that they need to win. If they're not winning, it's there's there's some other issues going on there. So whatever. Yeah, kind of kind of like my Lakers. Like we, I'm gonna, I almost made it through a pod without slandering my own team. Like I almost, I almost did it. Um, but yeah, that's neither here nor there. That could be a whole another hour. <laughs> we would not do that um, because God, they're frustrating me. I can't watch the game right now. But <laughs> that is gonna do it uh, for us this week. Subscribe to the podcast everywhere you listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five star review. If you only leave four, I'm inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that. Uh, make sure you're checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own Podcast, Varsity Club, Nebraska Post Press Game Show, and the Hill Varsity Radio Show. You can also check out the Hill Varsity YouTube page. I am back on there with another recruiting question of the week video. You can get after us on Twitter at GregSmithHB and at V. Carmen, thank you so much for being on this week. We will catch you guys again later. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> thank you. A Huda Media Production.